back to the podcast, y'all. I'm Adrielle, and today's message, I'm not going to lie, I was definitely hesitant to record this. God had given me the idea for it, and at first I was like, okay, well, I guess this is cool to talk about. This is this is a great little topic to discuss. It's an important topic to discuss, but the more I dived into the research of it all, it started to become too real for me. And I was like, God, I'm not, mm-mm, I'm not about to preach about this. I'm still struggling with this myself from time to time. And I'm still trying to figure out how to fully heal from being offended. And I put my phone down, like I dropped my phone loudly on the floor because I was that irritated with this topic. And I was like, God, I am not preaching this. I'm not preaching this. And he spoke to me and he said, no, yes, you are. (laughs) Yes, you are. You're going to talk about this today. Yeah, you are. So come on, let's go. Of course, I was like, okay, Lord, since you're going to make me. (laughs) So here we are, y'all. I will be discussing the power of offense, the power of offense. And this is going to be good. But before I dive into it, I want to ask you about your experience with offense. Have you ever been offended? And if you haven't, if you say no, who the heck even are you? (laughs) Like, are you even human? Do you even have emotions? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But when you have been offended, and I know you have because my first question was rhetorical. How did you deal with it? Did you cuss the person out? Did you let it go? Did you cling on to it and allow it to eat at you for weeks or months or even years? Is it the reason for your negative self-image? Did it make you turn your back on God or look at him differently? Did it make you hate your life? What was your response? How did you deal with or how do you deal with offenses today? Think about that for a moment. As you think about that, the experience that you have with being offended, I want to read something to you. This is something that I had researched a long time ago. I had read the experience of the crucifixion of Jesus and how bad it really was. And um, this is a little trigger warning. So if you have small children listening to the podcast right now, I suggest you kind of go somewhere else or maybe turn this off for right now and then come back to it when you're by yourself um, because it is going to be some gruesome things that I'm going to mention But I felt that it was important to say this today because when it comes to healing from being offended, sometimes we need help on how to deal with that. And I will discuss on how to deal with being easily offended um, in the episode. But for right now, I want to draw emphasis to how badly Jesus was offended. And I feel as though this will help us deal with it in our everyday lives when we think about the fact that he was offended so badly to the point of crucifixion. 
and he handled it flawlessly. So I want to read this to you. It says in Luke 22, before Jesus is arrested, it is written that he was in great distress and sweating blood. Now, this is a real condition. This is called hematidrosis. It's a real thing. It's rare, but it's real. And of course, it's rare because no one is really put in the situation that Jesus was put in before he was getting ready to go to the cross. So, of course, he would be the one, even in its rarity, to be able to experience such a condition as this. And this condition is caused by high amounts of stress. So when he was sweating great drops of blood, it is because his body had gone into high amounts of stress. And it happened because the blood vessels that were inside of his body burst open. And so great drops of blood came out with his sweat through his pores. Okay, and so at the time, the crucifixion was considered the worst death for the worst of criminals. But this is not all Jesus faced. He endured whipping so severe that it tore the flesh from his body. He was beaten so horrific that his face was torn and his beard was ripped. A crown of thorns that was two to three inches long cut deeply into his scalp. The leather whip that was used to flog him had tiny iron balls and sharp bones. They used to get the bones from animals and put the, put it on the whip to flog um, people who broke the law. And Jesus was tried as one who broke the law. He became the offense for us. And it says the balls caused internal injuries while the sharp bones ripped open his flesh. His skeletal muscles, veins, and bowels were exposed, causing major blood loss. Now, most men do not survive this kind of torture. And after Jesus was severely flogged, not only did he survive, he was forced to carry his own cross while people mocked and spat on him. Crucifixion was a process meant to instill excruciating pain, creating a slow and agonizing death. Nails as long as eight inches were driven into Jesus's wrists and feet. And the Roman soldiers knew the tendons in his wrists would tear and break, forcing Jesus to use his back muscles to support himself to breathe. Oh. <sighs> Imagine the struggle, the pain, and the courage that Jesus endured for three hours straight. And obviously that three hours was only after they had put him on the cross, but he had endured an even longer amount of torture before the cross because, of course, they had to whip him. And then he had to carry the cross all the way to the place where they would hang him on the cross so then it says the gospel of john writes that after jesus's death a roman soldier pierced his side with a spear and blood and water came out now scientists explain that this happened because jesus had gone into hypovolemic shock the rapid heart rate caused the fluid 
and his body to gather in the sack around the lungs and around the heart. And the gathering of the fluid in the membrane around the heart is called pericardial effusion. And the fluid gathering around the lungs is called pleural effusion. And so that's why when the soldier pierced him, blood and water came out. And then the post goes on to say, to the world, Christianity is as foolish as it can get. They believe it's for the weak. But when you are confronted by the reality of the cross, it's clearly not a pretty sight. It is brutal and horrific. And this is the weight Jesus carried, the weight of the sins of the world so that we could live. God's wrath is fully satisfied in Jesus. And this is what it took. And they said, repent and believe. My God. Oh, my goodness. Um, so that was hard to read. And I'm sure that was difficult to listen to. Um, but I believe it was necessary because we need to understand that even though we are offended, no offense can outweigh the offenses that Jesus took on and the fact that even in the middle of those offenses, how badly people hated him, he prayed for them. <laughs> he prayed for these people that were ripping his flesh apart. And we sit up here and, you know, we cuss people out in a second from offending us. And, you know, Jesus, he understands, he understands that it hurts, but he also knows that we can find ways to deal with it in a way that will glorify him. In a way that will not tear relationships apart, but bring us closer together. And in my research, I found that being offended is only concerned with the self. It's self-centeredness. And y'all, listen, I'm not here to preach at you. I'm right along with you. I deal with offenses all the time and I have dealt with them in unhealthy and healthy ways. And today's message is all about learning how to not be easily offended, right? Because the Bible says offenses will come. It's impossible for, for offenses not to come. Um, they will come. You will have offenders, but there are ways for us to deal with it without being so easily offended, so easily affected by it. And so when it comes to being offended, psychologists say that we don't see things the way they are. We see things the way we are. And that's deep. And that is what gives birth to an offense. People give offense because they can't see from your point of view. And we take offense because we can't see from the offender's point of view. Everything is, a, is revolving around self-centeredness. And to be offended means to feel resentful, angry, or wounded by something that was said or done to you. It can also mean that it is something that will cause you to stumble. And if we go to the psychology of offense, to the root cause of it, one of the main reasons why we are easily offended is due to insecurity. Insecurities are based on your own self-concept, your own ideas and feelings about yourself. 
So when someone challenges that, and you know how people are just pointing stuff out about you that you already are aware of, but it just makes you feel some type of way because it's like, bro, why you had to point that out? And it hurts. It hurts you to the core, right? And there's power in this. There's power in being offended. It can really tear you apart and tear apart every good thing in your life. Offense becomes multidimensional. You get offended and that leads to you hurling insults at someone else. It leads to hatred. It leads to you holding grudges. It leads to you becoming um, completely self-conscious, causing that negative self-image. I mean, when you're easily offended, your relationships suffer. And see, here's the thing. God had been showing me the numbers 10. I told y'all about the numbers God had been showing me, but you know, one of those double numbers he had shown me is 1010. He's still showing that to me today. Um, the number 1010. And as I was gathering the information for this podcast, I came across the scripture, John 1010, which says the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So what I found out is that Satan uses offenses to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you look at the number 1010, like if you put those two numbers together, just imagine yourself writing 1010 in a circle. You see how the zero is in between the two ones and 10 comes directly before 11. Well, 11 is us standing with God. We're the one, God is the one, and we're standing together and we have a perfect relationship with God. Well, the 10, the zero in the 10 can also be an O. And the O is used to reflect the offenses that Jesus took on for us. He became that intersector between the two ones. And so in order to connect us back with the father again, Jesus became the offense so that we can learn how to also deal with offenses, right? So that we can have that perfect relationship between us and Christ, between us and the father. Hey, I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far, but I wanted to quickly remind you to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. It is super easy to do. All you have to do is click on the link in the description box underneath our title for today. Once you click on the link, you'll see the option to review the podcast. Click on that. This will bring you straight to red on the Apple platform. Scroll down past the episodes and click the star rating and write a review. Please, please, please do this for me, y'all, so that more people can gain access to these episodes. You have no idea how your review could change someone's life. All right. I hope you enjoy the rest of the podcast. Checking off. And so I've noticed that it's the offense in the form of that zero in those numbers 10 and 10 that prevents a relationship from unification. It prevents those two ones from coming together because that offense is so powerful and it will break a connection in a second. It's the offenses usually that tears relationships apart. And so if we look, if we go back to John 10, 10, 
the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, the definition of steal is to take without permission or legal rights with no intentions of returning it. The enemy wants to steal your joy, your peace, your self-confidence, your mental health through the power of offense. He also wants to kill. That definition means to cause the death of a person, animal, or other living thing. So if your marriage is alive and thriving, you better believe he wants to bury it. He wants to kill your faith, your motivation, your determination, your blissful days, the times you're finally stress-free, worry-free. He wants that version of you that feels alive and thriving underground. He wants you underground. And he will attack that through the power of an offense. Then he wants to destroy. So he wants to put an end to the existence of something by damaging or attacking it. He seeks to put an end to your relationship with the Lord by attacking anything in your life that makes it difficult for you to trust God. He wants to destroy your mental and moral qualities, your gentle temperament, your integrity, your reputation, and he will do this through the power of an offense. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy every good thing in your life. And he does this through offenses, y'all. Then you might be thinking, well, why in the heck everybody want to offend me? I ain't doing nothing to nobody. You could just be being you, all of who you are, and that's offensive to people. You know, there are actual times in the Bible that says, and they were offended by the truth that Jesus spoke. There are times where people are just offended by who you are. And so that leads to them making a verbal or physical offense to you. You could be offending somebody just by doing the right thing because it makes them look bad. It makes them feel like they're not doing nothing. And it ain't your fault. You just living like you know to be living, doing the best with what you've got. But here's the part that I want you to catch Because we know that Satan uses all of this to steal, kill, and destroy. If you are already aware that these offenses are micromanaged and manipulated by him, it will make it harder for you to get easily offended. Look, remember Cain and Abel? Cain was easily offended that God favored Abel's sacrifice more than his. And so the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He stole Cain's joy. That's why the Bible says he became angry. And then he used him to literally kill and destroy his own brother. The Israelites were highly offended by the way God was telling them to go. So the enemy stole their faith, which led to every single one of the adults except Caleb and Joshua to be killed and destroyed in the wilderness. And if we look at Joseph, Joseph had brothers who were offended by his dream. And so that led to the enemy using them to steal Joseph's life as a free man and instead seek to destroy his life by handing him over to be a slave. 
And so in every one of these instances, relationships either between one person and another or between God and man took a major blow to the hip because of the power of offense. Because an SKD used by the enemy, (laughs) just like an STD is transmitted by bacteria, viruses, or parasites, the enemy transmits the SKD, the steal, kill, and destroy tactic through your heart, mind, and relationships, like some kind of parasitic infection. And that offense leads to a broken heart. That broken heart leads to a broken relationship. So you see how powerful offenses are. And y'all, the scripture says he comes at night now. He ain't coming in the daytime. He ain't coming while you snacking. He coming while you sleep, when you least expect him. And that sounds exactly like an offense, doesn't it? Offenses come when you least expect them. When your guard is down, when you're off the fence, offense, offense, people say stuff and you'd be like, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I was not ready. You can be laughing and talking with somebody and having a great old time and here comes the enemy. And now one person had to open their mouth and insult you. And for the rest of the week, that's the one comment playing on your head and repeat. It doesn't matter how many good things are said. It's that negativity. That one offense that so easily outweighs the rest. And that's what we have to heal from. That easy to be offended mentality. Because it's not profitable. It causes you to stumble. And that stumbling is Satan's agenda. He wants you to stumble. He wants y'all divorced. He wants you to have a distant relationship with your kids. He wants you to never get promoted. He wants you to constantly question your worth. He is intending offense to be used for evil towards you. But just like Joseph said, God will help you use it for your good. He will help you use it to get tougher. Because you're going to need to acquire some thick skin. So you won't be so highly sensitive to every little thing. Because listen, we we are living in a time right now where we can't be scrawny. We can't be feeble because we'll break. Tough skin is like a requirement nowadays. It is not an option. It's a requirement because things are only going to get worse. There's going to come a time when we're not even going to feel 100% safe opening our mouth and professing our faith. We have to have tough skin, y'all. The world is too mean for us to be so sensitive. We have to work on this. And no, it ain't no overnight. Everything is all good. You know, I ain't sensitive no more. Oh, this person offended me. I'm good. Like, of course, it's not overnight. This is going to take some time. It's going to take some time. And so right now, what I want to do is actually talk about how can we start healing from being easily offended? Now, the Bible said that offenses will come, but we can try to not be so easily offended, right? 
And so the first thing we need to do is when we're offended, we need to ask, why is it offensive? What is the aggravating cause of what this person said or did to me? Then you need to ask yourself, is what they're saying true or false? If it's true, determine whether or not it's constructive criticism that you just took as an offense. And if it's just criticism without the constructiveness, kindly explain to them that they could have put it another way. Or if it's something that's physical that they're drawing emphasis to, you know, that kind of offense only hurts if you don't love that particular thing about yourself. And I've had my fair share of being offended in this way until I learned to really love what they're offending me with. And so now I can't even get offended by it because I love it. So it don't, it don't even matter how much you say about me. I love who I am, right? So we have to get to that point where we truly love every single thing about ourselves. The things that we grew up and we saw as flaws, we have to see them as hidden gifts um, because God gave them to us for a reason. God made us this way for a reason. And if he loved it, the least we can do is try to start accepting it and find a love for it as well. Now, if it's something that they're saying that's false about you, and they are accusing you of something that you didn't do or just, you know, whatever it is that's not true, it's not a true statement, then what the Bible says that we can do is rebuke them and we let God deal with them, right? You have every right to rebuke someone. In Luke 17, Jesus talks about us being offended. And in verse one, he says, it is impossible that no offenses should come. So they're going to come. But woe to him through whom they do come, which means it'll be bad blood between your offender and God. So you can just wipe your hands clean. You don't even have to worry about it. Then he says in verse three, when they sin against you, you rebuke them. And if they repent, you forgive them. How often do you forgive your offender? Seven times 70. We all know the scripture, seven times 70. As bad as it hurts, as much as it irks you, seven times 70. But once you do that, listen, you you wipe your hands clean. God's going to deal with them. Vengeance is the Lord's. And the other thing you can do is whenever you are offended, start saying things like, well, maybe they didn't mean it the way that I took it. Especially if this is someone close to you. I have practiced this a lot with my husband. <laughs> I am still practicing. I'm a, I'm a work in progress. I mean, I'm getting somewhere, but I'm not perfect. <laughs> uh, because, you know, people close to you can really hurt your feelings. Because that person knows you. And you're like, how could you say that? How could you even say that? You know who I am. How could you not understand? I'm taking offense to this right now. And so we really have to practice forgiving. We have to practice seeing from their perspective. Maybe it's just us. Maybe they didn't mean it the way that we took it. Especially if you know that person loves you. If you know that person loves you, you really do have to be more forgiving than condemning. Um, And when you're in the middle of an offense, deal with yourself at that moment. If you have to say, excuse me for, for a minute while I go somewhere to cool down, um, talk yourself out of the offense. 
speak to yourself, get over it, say things like, well, you know, this is not who I am. I don't care what this person is saying. Whatever you got to tell yourself in that moment, say it. Do your best to talk yourself out of being offended. And the very last thing is love your offender. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 is so funny because we talked about tongues on Sunday and God brought me to this scripture today. And it says, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And then it goes on to say, love is patient. And you know, the number one way to exercise your patience is through an offense because it takes an extremely patient person to hold back some choice words for the one who offended them. That'll show you whether or not you're truly patient. And it'll gladly tell you if some work needs to be done on the inside. And then in verse five, it goes on to say, love is not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrongs. So no, we can't be talking about, you know, I remember 18 years ago when you told me that one thing, you know what you said. And that's when I knew I ain't like you. <laughs> and I and I vowed to myself that I would never let your name ever escape from my mouth again. My kids don't even say your name. <laughs> so we can't be doing that. We can't be holding things on. We can't be keeping a record of wrongs because love keeps no record of wrongs which means love cannot be easily offended. It covers a multitude of sin. And the reason why Jesus wasn't easily offended, because I even had to research this, like, man, why, how did you not get easily offended, God? Everything that everybody said to you, and you knew you were God in the flesh. How did you not get so easily offended? And I found out it's because, number one, he wasn't insecure, so it didn't matter what people said to him. He knew who he was. And number two, love was his armor. Love was his armor. And if love is your armor, you can't be easily offended. So we need to know who we are and we need to find ways to deal with our insecurities and come to accept them. We need to determine whether or not it's true or false, whatever they're saying. If it's false, we rebuke them, let God deal with them. If it's true and it's constructive criticism, we, you know, we think about it, we take it on, we analyze it. If it's just criticism without the constructiveness, then we kindly tell them, hey, you could have said this another way. Um, but we practice patience and we love. We forgive them seven times 70. And listen, Kill them with kindness. Kill them with kindness because, look, that really does work. A person's skin will boil when they insult you and you respond with something kind or gentle. The Bible says in Romans 12 and 18 through 20, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So he's saying living at peace with everyone depends on us, whether or not we love and forgive. It says, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then in verse 20, it says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, 
feed them. So I'm going to replace that with your offender. If your offender is hungry, feed him. If your offender is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. So let your kindness burn coals on your offender's head. You be kind. You do your part. I'm telling you, God got the rest. And he's going to help you deal with that easy-to-be-offended mentality. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and close this out with the prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you are the intersector when it comes to the numbers 1010. You are the O, Lord. You became the offense for us so that we would learn how to deal with being easily offended because it is a snare. It is a trap by the enemy to keep our relationships distant and to keep us questioning who we are. And God, we don't want to fall into this trap anymore. We want to learn how to grow thick skin and not be weak and feeble because there's nothing that you can do with that. So God, we ask that you help us to deal with those insecurities that are on the inside of us that continue to show up when we are offended. We ask you to help us love every single flaw about us and to see those as gifts because if you loved it, then we should find ways to accept and love it ourselves. And Lord, we ask you to help us to be patient and to show love and to forgive seven times 70 in the heat of an offense. Help us to be like you. Help us to act like you. Help us to walk like you. And thank you for everything you've done for us and everything you're getting ready to do. In your name we pray. Amen. As always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I pray that this helped, encouraged, and motivated you today to deal with your offenses and deal with those roots that are causing that offense and, you know, see it as something that could be a little self-centered. And so as we deal with being self-centered, then we can deal with healing from offense. Um... I love y'all so much and I will be back on Sunday for another seven minutes in heaven. But until then, stay red.